Welcome to Downton. Hello there. Emma speaking. Welcome to Shall We Go Through, the Downton Abbey fan podcast. What? 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 Hello, everyone. I hope you are well, uh, at least now at the beginning of this episode, because I'm not sure that you will stay well. I already said it last episode, but this is for me the most heartbreaking episode of Downton Abbey. Truly. I cry every time I watch this episode. I remember how shocked I was the first time I saw it, like I couldn't believe it. So I'm not going to make like a really jolly introduction because right now I am not in a really jolly mood. You know, sometimes I know it's only fiction, but really this episode might be the one that breaks my heart the most. And if I compare it to all the TV shows I've seen in my life, it is definitely one of the most heartbreaking episodes I've seen. And the fact that I keep crying every time I see it, like, yeah. So uh, I do hope you are well. And I already said it last episode, but if you do not want to listen to that right now, I don't know right now when I'm starting this, how it's going to turn out. But I mean, you know how the episode is, <laughs> you know what is going to happen. So if you don't want to talk about that, just to warn you, I'm only going to talk about Sybil at the end. Um, Yeah, today we're going to talk about episode five of season three of Downton Abbey that I called the one where Sybil gives birth. And well, let's just start, shall we? Like last episode and the episode before, I'm going to start with Anna and Bates. Because, you know, last episode, um, Anna, she didn't receive letters from Mr. Bates. Bates didn't receive letters from her. It was all because of Mr. Durant and Craig. Like, they all, like, did something. But as a revenge. But in the end, now, all is well. So Anna can go and see Bates again in prison. And they talk about Mrs. Bartlett. Because remember, Anna, she came to see her. And Bates says that what she has to say could change the verdict. Because she literally says that Vera made the pie that she ate and the pie that she poisoned to kill herself. Bates could have put the poison in the pie because she made it when Bates was already back to Downton. So actually, this is the proof that Bates didn't kill her. At first, Anna, she didn't realize that this was the proof. But it's Bates who says, well, this is it. And says someone needs to question her, like needs to get her to testify because this would change everything. And Anna, well, obviously, she's really, really angry at Vera because like, what well, she planned all this she not just only committed suicide, you know, because she was like desperate. She committed suicide in a certain way so that Bates would be accused to have killed her. And so technically, at first, she maybe thought that he would hang, which she did not. But so obviously, Bates now is happier because Anna, she found the proof and he thinks, well, this is it. Like we, this is almost the end. And Craig and Duran, they want revenge on Bates of, you know, uh, what happened with the drug and stuff. So they want to know what is this jolly news because he seems really happy. So he must have had good news. And the question, what is this good news? Because if they know what it is, maybe they can work to where well, turn it into not that good news. <laughs> and then at Downton, after dinner, Anna, she wants to speak to Robert and they talk about this Mrs. Bartlett and what she said to Anna. Then Robert says, well, I would ask Murray to come so he can speak to you and then go to see Bates. Because said they need to get Mrs. Butler to testify before she knows that what she has to say can change the verdict. Because obviously, I think she would prefer for him to rot in prison or to die. So if she knows that what she has to say can make him walk free, not really sure <laughs> that she would want to say it. And I like when Robert says, 
no, you were right. The proof was out there and you found it. And I'm just going to say, there's no one literally working for base. Like, I know lawyers, technically, they're not the one that does, like, investigation and stuff. But, I mean, are you not supposed to prove your client is not guilty? Where was Mr. Murray in all that? Like, why didn't do anything? I mean, Anna did everything. You know, sometimes I wonder, really, like, if it's Anna who found everything. I mean, just Anna changed jobs. I mean, became a detective or, I don't know, because apparently she's way more efficient than Murray. And so then Murray is here to see Anna and she tells him what she has learned with Mrs. Bartlett. And after that, Murray, he comes to talk with Bates to again talk about Miss Bartlett and all that. And Craig and Mr. Durant are plotting because, you know, they want to get their revenge on Bates. And they heard, well, Mr. Durant heard what Murray and Bates said to each other. They heard that it's something about and Mrs. Bartlett, like she can overturn the verdict. And so they want to do something about it. So you obviously know that it does not sound good. And well, you know, it's still not the end, but it's almost the end for Bates in prison, like really bananas. Now, let's talk about what's happening downstairs. And when I say downstairs, it's actually, it's not a love triangle. It's not really a love square. Like at this time, it's almost, it's not even love. It's almost like a love pentagon at this point uh, because you have a lot of characters like flirting with each other but like you know always with the wrong person the person that is not interesting in them so i'm talking about thomas jimmy ivy alfred and daisy i mean the, <laughs> this is worse than what we had before you know this is worse than just daisy thomas and william or almost even worse than matthew mary lavinia and richard Carlyle. But they're all kind of linked together and I didn't want you to like separate the storylines because yeah, they're all kind of linked. So yeah. At the beginning of the episode in Servant's Hall, they talk about having babies because, well, Sybil is going to have a baby and Ivy says that she would prefer to be in London, the city, where they have all the modern inventions and all that stuff to have her baby. Anna says that she would prefer to stay in the country because you're around all the people you love and all that. And obviously, Jimmy has teased. And he says, well, uh, it's good to be prepared. And obviously, then you have Thomas teasing back. And he says, well, I'm, I suppose you're always prepared. And Jimmy saying that he tries to be. <laughs> and Carl's in the middle of all, all of that. And he's like, I don't really like where this is going. So we should just stop right now. And Daisy is still not nice to Ivy because, you know, she is in love with Alfred or she really likes him. And Alfred, he has only eyes for Ivy, so she doesn't like her. But it's not her fault, you know. Like, she gives her orders. Like, yeah. Daisy, she kind of turned, like, you know what Mrs. Papa say? Have you swapped places with your evil twin? Well, Daisy's evil twin is here when she speaks to Ivy. And Jimmy, he comes to talk to O'Brien, saying that Mr. Carson asked him to wind the clocks. But he doesn't really know how to do it. And O'Brien says that he should ask Thomas because he was the one who used to do it but because he's a valid now it's not proper for him to do it and all that she even says you know I, I can see that he likes you and it's good because you know he's the bad of his lordship so if he likes you he can say nice things to him about you and all that you know and you see like she's smiling which never happens so obviously it's weird because we know since Jimmy arrived that she sensed that Thomas wasn't insensible and so she she's still planning her revenge, you know. She said to Thomas that she would get it. She's still planning her revenge. 
And so then, well, Jimmy, he listened to her and he asked Thomas to help him. And so Thomas, he explains to him how you wind the clocks. And, you know, they're very close. Thomas is a bit too familiar. And Jimmy, you see, he's a bit uncomfortable. And in the kitchen, Alfred and Jimmy, they are both flirting with Ivy. And Daisy, well, she still doesn't like her. She's giving her orders, but not orders in a, you should do that. No, do it. And Ivy says to the both, well, she doesn't like me. I don't know why, but she just doesn't. And then before dinner, Alfred actually helps Ivy in the kitchen because after Daisy asked her to do something, he spoiled the Hollandaise, I think the, that's what it is, to then, uh, let's just say, save it again with a trick that he knows. He said once that he wanted to be in the kitchen. And so he did that so that Ivy could do it so that then Daisy would be grateful. He shows her how to uh, save the sauce. And Mrs. Patmore, she sees all that, but she says nothing. And then Daisy, she sees that, well, she saved the sauce. And it's Mrs. Patmore who says, well, you should thank her, Daisy, because, you know, she just saved it. So Daisy says, thank you. You see that it kind of hurts her a bit to say thank you. But then Mrs. Patmore, she says to her, you know, Alfred won't like you any better for being rough on her, which is true. I mean, whether you like Ivy or not, she doesn't really do anything. You see that she's interested in Jimmy, but Alfred is interested in her, but she's not interested in him. So it's not really her fault if Alfred is interested in her and that Daisy likes Alfred. Like, oh, it's really complicated, but really there's no point. There's no point to Daisy being mean to her because he will not make Alfred like her more. Then dinner is suspended because Sybil is about to give birth. <laughs> I like when Jimmy says, well, dinner is suspended and you have Mrs. Palmer say, yes, but suspended, like cancelled or suspended, like keep it hot. Like, what am I supposed to do? <laughs> and you see how it must be really complicated for her at the moment because she has, she has to take out dinner for upstairs, but downstairs too. And technically, when upstairs they finish eating, it's downstairs that they have their dinner. So it's like, okay, so when are we going to eat downstairs if upstairs they do not eat? Are they not going to eat ever? Or what? what, what is going to happen? And then, so... The baby is born. Everyone is happy. I love it. I really love it. Like they're all like happy. And Thomas, he says, well, it's good news. And he says to Jimmy that he likes Lady Sybil. They work together during the war. She, he says that she, she's a lovely person. And he says, just like you. And when saying that, he touches him again. And Jimmy, you see, he's absolutely not comfortable. And at first, to be honest, I don't really know if Thomas is actually flirting. He's trying to be really nice. But because Mr. Brian says that he might be interested, that he thinks that maybe something is possible, but yeah, he touches him a lot. You know, his arm, his hand, his shoulders and all that. But I don't think he means any harm. I think Thomas is just trying to guess if yes, he's interesting or not. It's going to be really difficult for him. Like I, I do feel for him. But Jimmy, he's uncomfortable. And O'Brien, she kind of sees that, but he's like, oh, but he likes you. It's good if he likes you because, you know, he is the valet of his lordship and all that. She is manipulating Jimmy so that he would say nothing and just let it go so that Thomas would continue and at the moment, like, something will happen, like something bad. But so, yeah, I mean, you probably uh, have guessed it. It's not the end of this, uh, well, pentagon, <laughs> like I called it. Really, yeah, absolutely not the end. Bananas. And now let's just talk about Edith for two minutes. Because Edith, she tries to find something to do, to take control of her life again, to do something of her life, you know, after being jitted at the altar. 
And last episode, she wrote a letter to the Times, uh, you know, and Robert kept saying that it won't be published or that any was published. She was really proud. And Tom and Matthew were proud too. Matthew, Mary, Tom, they were on her side. I'm sure Sybil is too because it's Sybil. But Cora, Robert and Violet were not. Well, in this episode at breakfast, she is with Robert and Matthew and she had a letter. And apparently the editor of the sketch wants her to write for him. He saw her letter to the Times and he wants her to write once a week, which is great. I mean, that's amazing for her. And Matthew, he's really impressed and he's he's happy for it. Like, that's so nice, you know, and she can write about whatever she likes. Like, this is amazing. You know, she was trying to find something to do and now she has something to do. And then Matthew asked her, well, will you write under your own name? And she said, well, I, I haven't even thought about it. Then Robert has to come in and spoil everything by saying that she will have no choice than to write with her own name because that's why he's buying. Like the editor wants her to write for him because he wants her to write as Lady Edith Crawley. Like he wants to buy her title and all that. I mean, really, it's really, I don't know, he spoils everything. Like Edith, she was really happy. It's been really hard for her this, like those past few weeks and months, you know, having her two sisters at the house married. One of them is going to have a baby. Like, it's a lot. And she has something really happy. But Robert, he has to get into it and spot everything. And Matthew, you see that he tries to save the situation. You know, he says, well, I know. I think what Edith wrote was really good. And Edith, she says, Don't bother, Matthew. I'm always a failure in this family. Makes me sad because I've said it a lot, you know, about how Edith is treated as that, you know, since season one and I'm very sad for her because at that moment it's exactly how she feels again and Robert's face you know when she says that a failure like he's a bit taken aback like what and Matthew when he looks at him he's like really like couldn't you just have shut up just you know now let you just let her just enjoy it for a day and it's the way that Robert said it like it was casual like it was obvious I thought it was really tactless and not nice so yeah well done Robert and during dinner, when they are waiting for something to happen, like they are waiting for the baby to come, Matthew, he talks to Edith and he asks if she has given an answer to the editor. And then Violet, well, she wants to know what it's about. And he says, well, and he, he says it with a smile on his face, like he's really proud, like a proud big brother, you know? And he says it. The editor of the sketch asks if she wanted to write for him. And Violet, she says, oh, great. Okay, when is she expected to go on the London stage or something like that? And, you know, uh, the look that Edith gives to Matthew, you know, when she says, see, like, you know, I told you, I told you I'm a failure. Like, they are not supporting me and that we're not, not on that journey. I feel really, really bad for her. But again, not the end for Edith and this writing to newspaper storyline. Bananas. Okay, so, you know, Matthew is now co-owner of Downton. And he said to Violet that Downton is being mismanaged. And she says to him, you have to do whatever you can to make it right. Because he tried to talk to Robert, but well, Robert doesn't really want to listen. So yeah. And so most of the time when he talks about the management of Downton, he talks about it with Mary. Because Mary, it's a bit like she is also a co-owner because now she's married to Matthew. And also you saw that Matthew, he's eager to start a family. Last episode, Mary she said that she has arranged the day nursery for a sitting room for them. And he was kind of uh, disappointed because he thought that she wanted to say something about the fact that she would be pregnant. And she is she's a bit avoiding the question. And every time he says something about having good children, like she just avoids it. 
And uh, there was a deleted scene between the two of them where they speak about different things. They speak about the management of Downton, Sybil, and Bates. And Matthew, he says that he doesn't want to bother Robert until the baby is born. You know, he said, let's just, let's just wait for that, you know, to, to happen. And I'm going to really talk to him about the mismanagement of Downton. And Mary says, but you are determined to shake things up. And Matthew, he says, my darling, you want to stay here until you die and for our children to live here after us. For that to have a chance of happening, I can't let the whole thing disintegrate. Which is true. Like, he has to do something. And they talk a bit with Anna about Bates. And I loved it because they talk about Sybil. Well, they talk about Robert and how he might feel about his youngest daughter having a baby. And then Matthew, he says, I'm going downstairs and I swear not to start on Robert. Mary, she answers, poor papa. He's in such a state about Sybil. All fathers hate to think of any man touching their beloved daughters. And when they have a baby, it's a terrible proof that they have been touched. Matthew answers, a terrible and a wonderful proof. Again, he says it again that it's like teasing Mary like okay I'm saying it again I'm ready to have a baby what's happening can we talk about it like you see that they haven't really talked about the fact that she's still not pregnant and it's that he's really eager <laughs> and then so we have a scene where they're outside looking at, the, at some cottages and they talk about the estate again Matthew saying how it is mismanaged like what they should do to make it better and so they talk about a tenant that hasn't really took care of his land for a while now and Mary says, well, Papa would say that we can't just let him go because he's old or whatever. Matthew says, yeah, but it would be cheaper to just give him a cottage for free and we can take off the land that he's supposed to take care of. And the issue is that, you know, and it's quite true, he says that I think Robert, he associates business like to being mean because he doesn't want to be mean. You know, we know that Robert is a kind man. So you just have to, I think, weigh everything in the balance to try to find a gray area and... um. Yeah, a balance between everything. Because the fact is, they need to find ways to earn money because the money will not be here forever. And then they talk about Tom. And I just love when Mary says, well, Sir Philip thing is, is, is going to, <laughs> to be here for dinner. And I just love because she has a habit to not know people's names. Like, you know, when uh, with Mr. Poolbrook that you call Pupkin and whatever. So yeah, because this Mr. Philip Tapsell is coming for the birth. We're going to talk about him later. Then they talk about Tom too. She says, you have to be there to hold Tom's hand. And he says, poor fellow. He's so terrified, so thrilled at the same time as I would be, as I will be. Again, talking about the fact that he wants, like he's really him saying that now I'm ready to be a father. I want to be a father, which is so sad when you think about it. Like, yeah, bananas. And then back at the Abbey, there's a really sweet scene between Mary and Sybil. And Sybil is complaining about how she's feeling. And she says, well, everything hurts. Like, I'm not feeling well at all. Like, I do not recommend being pregnant. Like, this is awful. And Mary is saying that she is dying to start one of her own. And Sybil asking, well, so you're not waiting? Because she's still pregnant, so she thought she might be waiting. So again, you have, it's the second person that thinks, not that something is wrong, but that she might have been pregnant already. But Sybil, Sybil got pregnant pretty soon after she got married, I think. But I don't really know sometimes the, the timeline in Downton Abbey. But, you know, the fact that she's asking that, and even Matthew, he's starting to having question, like, uh, I think it was quite interesting. So then this Sir Philip is here, and he's apparently an expert in, you know, child's delivery and all that. Pregnancies, you know, apparently he's an expert. Let's just say apparently. 
And Matthew, he, he wants to talk to him. He talks to him about the fact that he was injured and that uh, his spine was severely bruised and they thought he could never walk again and all that. He wants to ask if like, his injury, even if now he's better, might have diminished his fertility, like his chance of, like he says, fathering a child. He says because, you know, they are anxious to start a family. And then Sir Philip tells him that if everything is working as it should, then it should work. And he says that anxiety is the enemy of pregnancy, that it should not feel anxious and that, you know, you just need to wait maybe a bit more, but, you know, it will happen someday. And then when Murray came to downtown to talk to Anna, Matthew, he wants to speak with him too. But he doesn't really think about it when he wants to speak with him. Like he doesn't really think that talking to a lawyer about the management of the estate the day after Sybil died was not a good idea. So I talk about it with Murray. Murray even says that he's quite grateful that Matthew thinks like that because apparently he's been saying that for years. Even Robert said so and Robert didn't, well, he didn't really listen. So he says that, yes, it, they have to do something because these estates will not last long if you don't think about earning money too. And Mary, she comes in. She comes in, in the library when they are talking about it and she hears them and she is upset. You see her face like, yeah, she's upset. And obviously what she says, she doesn't think it's a good idea to talk about it now. And so Mr. Murray says, well, I'm, I was just here to talk with Mrs. Bates. And so Mary's like, oh, if, if it's about Bates, me, it's okay, you know. But then he leaves because he already talked to Anna. And the way she looks at Matthew at that moment, really, like she is angry. Like her eyes is just, I mean, if looks could kill, Matthew would be dead. Matthew, he apologizes because he realized that he didn't think in that. Yeah, he just realized that this was not a good idea. And she says, Papa has lost his youngest daughter. I think that's enough. Or does he have to lose control of his estate on the same day? Again, that's not the end of this story of Downton being mismanaged and of Matthew and Mary and him wanting to have a baby and all that. You know, not the end. Bananas. Now, I want to talk about Ethel. Because Ethel, she gave her son to the Bryants. But we know that Isabel, she, you know, there was some kind of unfinished business with this whole situation because she wanted to have Ethel, but she wanted her to keep her son, which she didn't. And so in this episode, Ethel is at Crawley House because Isabel, she wants her to work there. She said, I want you to help Mrs. Bird. And Ethel, she hesitates because she's like, are you sure that you want that? Because this is going to be complicated. She said that she is not a prostitute anymore because she, now that she doesn't have Charlie to feed she can, you know, give it that up because she only has to take care of herself. But because she was a prostitute, her working in a house like Crawley House, which is on, you know, it's part of the estate, like Isabel is part of the family, this might not be a good idea. Like this would be complicated. Like this, this could be a scandal. But, you know, Isabel said, well, we're going to face all that together and all that. Isabel, she really wants to help her. But Mrs. Bird, we see that she was not really nice with Ethel. Now she says to Isabel that she wants to leave. If Ethel stays here, she wants to leave. And you see how she says, you know, when Isabel said, well, where will you go? And she said, well, I will go to my sister. And Isabel she just says, well, you know, good luck to you, Mrs. Bird. Goodbye. And you see her face. She really thought that Isabel would ask her to stay. She said, well, okay, I'm going to get rid of Ethel and you could stay. Because obviously she's a good cook, Mrs. Bird. So part of her thinks that, well, she would want to keep me because without me, she can't really uh, eat, you know. <laughs> you see that she is a bit stunned. Like you see, like she's like, 
okay. Like she is surprised, but like badly surprised when Isabel says to her goodbye because she really thought that she would ask her to stay. There was a deleted scene when Ethel, she actually takes Mrs. Bird's defense and I thought it was quite nice. I'm sorry that it was cut because he explained that Ethel, she is not angry at Mrs. Bird because she understands why she left. You know, Ethel, she says to Isabel, don't be angry with her. She had to look after her good name, Isabel says. But it's so small-minded. Ethel answers, beg your pardon, ma'am, but we're not like you. If Mrs. Bird lost her reputation, she'd have nothing to bargain with. She did what she had to do. Good luck to her. And even now, we're not going to lie, prostitutes do not have the best reputation. But imagine a hundred years ago, this was like the worst thing ever. And for a servant, your reputation is all that you have. So we can understand Mrs. Bird. Like, I don't think we should judge her like too harshly because I don't think people would have believed that she was a prostitute or whatever. But just the fact that she would work in the same house, then if she wants to find work somewhere else, it would be difficult because all they could see was she worked in a house alongside a prostitute. Even if Ethel has given that up, you know, so... A part of us, especially I think now when we look at it, we are grateful for Isabel. Like we, we are maybe on her side because she wants to help. She doesn't, re- she doesn't judge. Like we're going to help you. But if you think as people in the 1920s thinks this is scandal, this cream scandal, like you see that this something would get wrong in all this. So sometimes you just have to think uh, how they thought back then. And so I thought she is trying to cook. She was not a cook, you know, she was a housemaid. And while she's the kitchen, it's a bit of a disaster. Like she burned her souffle. And um, you see that Isabel, at the moment, she almost, um, for a tiny second, she regretted, you know, um, her choice because Ethel, she burned the dinner and so they have nothing to eat. And back at Downton, Mosley, he wants to speak with Carson because he received a letter from Mrs. Bird. Mrs. Bird, who said to him that she had to leave Crawley House. And so Carson is with Mosley and Mrs. Hughes, and they talk about it, and he is shocked. And he understands why Mrs. Bird had to leave. He's like, well, of course she had to leave. Poor woman. She could not stay in the same house as a prostitute. Like Carson, he is absolutely shocked. Mrs. Hughes, she tries to take Ethel's defense, but it's all Ethel, you know. Mrs. Crawley just tries to be nice and to help her. And she's, you know, and she's giving all that up, you know, she's not a prostitute anymore. And I went, Carson, they were, I didn't think that she was, like, running a brothel in Mrs. Quarry's kitchen, like, okay. And Mrs. Hughes said, well, maybe we could just wait a bit because I don't remember Ethel being a great cook, so maybe we just sort this stuff out. And Carson's like, okay, we're not going to talk about it anymore. We're not going to talk about it to anyone. We're just going to wait. And she says, I don't want any maids, anybody going there. And then he just thinks for a second, it's like, oh, all the footmen, no footmen going there, okay? And then back at Crawley House, Ethel, she made some tea for Isabel. But apparently Isabel doesn't really like it because Ethel, she put honey in it. And you can see that Isabel's like, oh, great. Well, perhaps not next time, okay? So Ethel, she not just spoiled the souffle, she also like spoiled tea for Isabel. So, you know, it's quite harsh. And I think she would need some time to be able to be a proper cook. For Mrs. Crawley. But again, not the end of Ethel's storyline, Bananas. Now it's time to talk about Sybil and the birth. I mean, that's my title, the one where Sybil gives birth. 
So at the beginning of the episode, it's night and we see Clarkson coming to downtown to check on Sybil. The girls are in her room, the boys outside, and he says that there's nothing wrong. I just love when the girls come outside Sybil's room and Cora, she has only eyes for Robert, like she looks at him while Clarkson is speaking all that. She just looks at him with this really sweet, loving look, like, you know, like the look of a mother really happy that her baby is going to have a baby, but the fact that they're going to be grandparents and a really, really sweet I'm going to hold on to all the really sweet scenes that we have in this episode because after that, it's going to really hurt. So, yeah. And I love it because, uh, so Robert's like, wait, it was a false alarm. And Clarkson said, well, no, no, uh, not really. Wait, the womb is preparing itself for the birth. (laughs) And when he says that, Robert's face, I just love Christ, where he doesn't really, like, you know, his lordship doesn't really enjoy medical details. (laughs) Robert's face, like, at the word womb, you lost Robert. Like, oh my God, what is that? But so apparently, you know, everything is fine. They can all go to bed. And that's when Robert says, Sir Philip Tapso is going to be here the next day. And you see Clark is like, well, if you think it's best, you know, like, great. I am delighted. And so the morning after, you have the servants talking about uh, having babies. You know, we talked about it. And we have Orion Roberts in her room. O'Brien is bringing her her breakfast tray. And talk about Clarkson and Tapso. And... Robert says why well, he hired an expert, has good reputation, you know, all that, because he he wants the best for Sybil. You know, he says, Clarkson, he, he misdiagnosed Matthew and he missed the son with Lavinia. I don't want to take chances with Sybil, you know. And at first, I think this is really considerate because what he wants is the best for his daughter. So what do you do when you want the best? Well, it's like now when you go on Google and you find a doctor or whatever and you look for the comments that people have made. Like, you know, if everyone says, like, this is the best doctor, this is the best expert, well, you would go there because you think it's the best one. And I think that's what any parents would do. They want the best for their children and that's what he wants. And he's frightened. But Christ says, well, it's not really fair because Matthew, he didn't want to give his hopes up, which is true. You know, he didn't want him to say, maybe you will recover in the end. No, you will not. And for Lavinia, with the disease, nobody knew where it was. So everything could change really quickly. So it's not really fair to say that. And he says, well, and you know, Sir Philip Tapso, maybe he took care of lots of ladies and people from the royal family or all that. But he doesn't know us. Like Clarkson, he knows Sybil. He knows her history. Like he knows everything. Maybe he's best. And so Robert says, well, you know, I will ask Sir Philip Tapsell to include Clarkson in all this so that, you know, everyone is happy. And then so Mary is with Sybil. The scene we talked about when Mary says that she is dying to have babies. And you see the nurse preparing the room for the birth in the background. And Sybil, she talks to Mary about, you know, the baby being Catholic. Because she says she doesn't mind the baby being Catholic. But she says, but the christening, we have to be here. Because at first it was supposed to be in Dublin. So, you know, nobody would know. Like she said, out of sight, out of mind. But we have to be at Downton. And it would be complicated because at Downton, they are not Catholics. (laughs) Even Robert said last episode that he was anti-Catholic. So, yeah, that looks great. And Mary, she says, well, you don't have to, you know, it's your baby too, because the power thinks it's Branson who wants it. Well, you realize, yes, it's Branson who wants it. But Sybil's like, well, I don't mind because I believe in God, but the rest, I'm like, whatever. If my husband really wants the baby to be Catholic, let just, you know, the baby be Catholic. You know, why not? And she says, well, no, I love Tom very much. And if that pleases him, then I want to do that for him because I don't really care. And then before leaving, Mary, she says, you know, I'll fight your corner. When the time comes, I would be on your side. If you want the baby to be Catholic, I would be on your side. I really love this enough. I think it's very, very lovely. 
I always loved Mary and Sybil's relationship. I thought this was a really sweet moment. And then we have the dinner with Sir Philip Tapsall. And since that dinner, the guy just can't stand the guy. He is so full of himself. Like, really? Oh, I, I can't stand the guy. And so they talk about someone that he had through her pregnancies and all that. And the moment he says, don't worry, I get a baby out of you one way or another. And Robert, he chokes on his drink at that moment. And Carson, he's basically like, oh my God, just breathe. What did he just say? But I just love him because Robert's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, I love him. But, you know, then he, he has, but you see no complication here. He says, no, everything is uh, perfect. And Cora says that they will call for their local doctor to come. And you see, he's not really pleased about that. And Mary says, well, Dr. Clarkson has known us since we were girls. So, you know, it's, it's almost feels like normal. And he says, you know, but what we need now, it's an expert, you know, on pregnancies and babies and all that, not just a local doctor. But, you know, if, if that pleases you, he's welcome. I really hate him for that because he can't stop just bragging about that he's an expert. You know, like, oh, I have, you know, that lady and she had three boys, so a dynasty is all great. I hated that moment because when he says she had three boys, so like a perfect dynasty, it's the completely opposite of what Robert and Cora had, you know, three girls. So it's like, oh, no dynasties. And just for that, I hate that comment. I just hate the guy. I can't stand him. Or like he's, he's way too sure of himself for a doctor. Because doctor, okay, you have to be confident, but there's a moment like you have to also know that you can't be perfect and you can't know everything. And he just, oh, it gets on my nerves. And then just really sweet when the boys are leaving the dining room and Anna came because she wants to speak to Robert. Matthew, he talks to Sir Philip. Just before that, Tommy says, well, I'm going to check on Sybil. But I don't know, I look, just this tiny just thing, just, I think it's really sweet. And yeah. I told you that I was not really a fan of Tom and Sybil until, well, season three. And that storyline, this is true. Like, I think Tommy really, he has grown on me. And you know, the way that he's really, like Matthew says, you no know, terrified and three that at the same time, I think it's really sweet. And then there's a scene between Tom, Mary and Edith. And Mary says that they're sorry that they could not have been in Dublin. And Edith says that they know how much it meant. And he says, Nothing means more than she does. I mean, this is really sweet because he was not too keen on staying at Downton, you know. He wanted absolutely the baby to be born in Dublin and all that. But just him saying that, I realized that, you know, at that moment, it's like, I don't care. I just want my wife to be okay, my child too. And I thought this is really sweet. And then they're all in the drawing room and Violet is here too. And Cora says that she will be with them every night until the baby is born. And Violet, she says, I hate to get news secondhand. And Cora, she insists again that she wants to call for Dr. Clarkson. And, you know, still a doctor who said he's perfectly welcome and says, well, you know, it will be too crowded. It's best if he does not come. Robert at the beginning said, well, I will ask him to include Clarkson. But then Robert, he changed his tune. like, well, but, you know, Tapsall says that it's best if he does not come. So, well, I've given him my word. I will call him. So I will. And I like how Edith kind of end this conversation by saying, well, I will drive, you know, and I will fetch him. So everything is good. And the thing is, Claxon, he knows Sybil because he, he's a doctor. He knows her since she was born, but he worked with her during the war. So he knows her even a bit better because of that. I'm not saying that he knows her as much as Anna or Thomas, but he knows her. So yeah, that, that is a, a plus, you know. And in the dining room, they are waiting. I love how Cora says, there's nothing more tiring than waiting for something to happen. But then it is happening and dinner is suspended. 
But in the library, the doctors do not agree. Clarkson he thinks that something might be wrong. Like says, no, no, her ankles are swollen and she seems a bit muddled. Like he says that something might not be really right. And Tapsol he's like really he's bragging. Like I can't. He's like, well, of course she'd be muddled. She's going to have a baby. Ugh. You know what I hate and all that? Okay, he's an expert, but you see that Cora, she's concerned. And Robert, he won't trust this tab, so why I hate in all this storyline. That obviously Cora, she's concerned and she wants to listen to what Claxton says because she has given birth. Robert hasn't. He wasn't even there when she has given birth. So the fact that Robert prefers to listen to someone who says, you know, it's completely normal to be like that because he might have seen a lot of women giving birth and all that, but not listen to someone who has given birth and maybe thinks that yes it is not normal because I wasn't like that or I don't know that is the thing that maybe irritates me the most it's a way he says that it means she's having a baby oh, it's really it's the tone like oh yeah and then so Philip Tapsell wants to talk in private with Clarkson so they leave the library and Cora she's concerned she says to Robert he can't bully him into silence like if Clarkson has to say something he needs to say it and Robert's like, you know, my dear, it's just, you know, it's Clarkson's pride that it's talking. And Matthew says, you know, even so, we, we must listen to what you have to say. And then Robert says the, the most stupid thing ever. He says that he doesn't want to hurt Sir Philip's feelings. First time I heard that, like, who cares about his feelings? You hired him because you wanted the best for your daughter and you don't want to hurt his feelings. Whatever, I don't care if his feelings are hurt, if, you know, if it's to save your daughter's life. Like, what the hell? But, you know, I thought about it and Violet just said in a more ladylike way what I was thinking. If there's one thing that I'm quite indifferent to, it's Sir Philip Tapsell's feelings. And so the doctors are arguing and Claxton says that he thinks that Sybil is in danger, like she might be in danger of eclampsia. And if he's right, they need to act fast because where it's dangerous. And Tapsell, he's angry and he's too proud. Like he's absolutely not like this is stupid and all that and Clarkson said well do you think the baby is small do you not think that her ankles are swollen like and I hate when Tapsall says maybe she has thick ankles this is like the worst answer ever this is not a proof that Clarkson is wrong it's just saying maybe she has thick ankles when Clarkson said well she does not like I know she does not I can ask the family she does not so this is not right like oh really really I wanted to punch him but like so hard in the face like oh I really hate Sir Philip Tapsall. Like, I can talk about hate on that. I really can. And then Sybil, Tom, he's with Sybil. And he's staying with her before the birth. And he says that, you know, that he, maybe he can go to Liverpool and they can't work there. But he would mean working with cars. And Sybil's like, no, no, please don't. We're not going backwards. You must promise that we're not going backwards. Because obviously the family has just accepted him. But I'm not sure the family would continue to accept him if he's still working with cars. I agree with Sybil. We will not go backwards. And then, you know what, obviously, she's in pain. And you see how he feels so helpless. Like, he said, I want to do something. And then she says something weird. She says, well, just be here. We can lay down and look at the stars or something like that. Like, it's really weird for her to say. And Tapsworth is just like, you know, it's normal. But she's like, Tommy was like, this is weird. Are you sure everything is all right? And then Clarkson comes in with Cora. And Tapsworth is angry. And actually, the scene where Clarkson comes to talk to Cora, that scene was written, but it was cut. Uh, where Clarkson just wants to talk to her about the fact that he says, even says something like, I want to alarm you, but something might be wrong. It's like, well, you know, I am worried now, but if you have to do something, you have to. That's why they come together. And I love how 
You know, because Robert just says anything medical, he winces. But how Cora, she doesn't, like, she doesn't move, like she doesn't wince ever, like nothing. When Clarkson says to uh, Sir Philip that he wants to analyze her urine. And Tapsa is like, oh my God. Uh, and Cora says, just do it. <laughs> like, I don't care. Just do it. And Sybil, she says Clarkson and she says, again, really weird thing. She says, am I on duty, Dr. Clarkson? And Clarkson and Tom, they look at each other like this is not right. And he says, no, you're not on duty. But you see, Clarkson looks concerned and Cora looks concerned. And the family are again in the library, again without Tom. Like the first thing, they were without Tom and they're again without Tom. And Clarkson, he says what he suspects. He says that he thinks that she's at risk of eclampsia and that it's rare, but it's really dangerous. And so Philip taps all his really being too proud and too arrogant, like really saying, no, she's not suffering from that. Robertson taps all side. Christon Clarkson says, well, why do you think she might be? So well, she has swollen ankles. There is too much protein in her urine. He said that Robert almost fainted. And I just love how Robert, he's the one that cannot stand medical details. But he gives an excuse of like, oh my God, do not say because my mother is here. She cannot, like, cannot handle it. And Violet says, Peace. A woman of my age can face reality far better than most men. So I'm saying again, like you have two teams and you realize that almost everybody are on Clarkson's side except Robert. And Robert, he says that he thinks that they should go with what Sir Philip says because he's the expert. But Mary's like, but what, what Tom says and Robert, who cares what Tom says? You know, I'm master here. I hired the guy. And Cora, who's being, you know, again, uh, the voice of reason, says well that he's being stupid because, of course, it must be Tom's decision because Tom is Sybil's husband and he's the father of the child. And I love how, at that moment, Robert, he looks at his mother, like, asking her, which are you on? And Violet says, well, don't look at me because Cora is right. The decision lies with the chauffeur. And downstairs, Anna and Mrs. Hughes, they talk, and I says, well, the doctors are arguing. And this is never a good sign. And Carson's like, well, is everything all right? And they say, well, apparently it is not. And then they're all <laughs> arguing upstairs with Tom. And again, you have these two sides. I even want to say it's Robert and Cora on two different sides. Cora, she's really on Clarkson's side because she says he knows Sybil, which Tapsa doesn't. And it's the difference. Since the beginning, you know, about this risk of eclampsia, Clarkson says, if I'm right, we need to bring her to the hospital to have the baby born by cesarean. And he said, no, it's not completely safe. He never lied on this, you know. Even then when he said, do you swear you can save her and the baby if we go to the hospital? I said, well, I can't swear it because no, I can't. But Tops was like, well, obviously, you know, again, like the truth, he can't save it. I mean, I'm sure I can. And Robert, he knows me a bit on that, but I'm still in, I think he's completely terrified and he just wants, if someone tells you, I'm sure I can do it. He says, okay, I'm following the guy. He says, he's sure. But Courage doesn't agree because Clarkson knows Sybil. So I think we should listen to Clarkson. And Tom, he doesn't know what to do. Tom, he is lost. And at last he wants to listen to Cora. But then we hear Sybil screaming. Then the boys are in the library with Violet waiting like Violet says, well, I'm just waiting for news of the baby and then I can go home. You know, and you see like Tom, he's really helpless. I don't know what to do. And what you realize is that Robert, he's only tolerating him, Branson, because he is Sybil's husband. But that's just it. I think he's starting to 
get used to it. But the whole situation that will happen last episode, really, you see that he doesn't really like him. And I think this is a bit sad because Tom, he's nervous, terrified, especially when you have the doctors that just were arguing and all that. And I think it's sad that Robert at that moment, he has no words for him because he was in his place. You know, it happened three times. And I don't know, he looks at him like him being so tortured, like, I don't know what to do. The fact that he says nothing, he looks at him like, I don't know, I can't really explain and express what I, what I felt. But I thought he looked at him a bit, like he looked a bit down on him. Even when he says that it's not Tom's decision, well, of course it is. And I think it's really sad because at that moment, I think he really needed someone to tell him it's going to be okay. And Robert Cobb said, you know, I have been in your shoes and I'm sure Robert, he, he was way worse than Tom. I see him being completely, not even anxious. Like I'm sure he almost fainted, like truly, especially if he doesn't really like medical details. I think he almost died waiting. I think he was torture for him, really. So I'm really sad that that's the only reaction that he has. When they're waiting because even Matthew you see that he's a bit stressed you know like he shares a bit of Brent's feelings but then Mary she comes in and she says that it's a girl and they're both fine so obviously they're all really happy everyone is happy it's so great you know and then Tom he's with Sybil and the little girl like it's so sweet like this scene is really sweet and the girls are here like Cora and Mary and Edith and you know like this is so nice and then just Sybil, she wants to talk with Cora. She says to her that she wants her mother to help her battle for Tom and the baby when the time comes. Because she says, you know, Tom, he wants to work with cars again, but he can't, you know. Because if he does that, then, uh, well, Robert, he would look down on him again. Because, you know, he would not be a chauffeur almost. And, you know, we can't just, we can't do that. And Cora says that she will help her. And it's a really sweet moment. Like... <laughs> You see that at that moment, she's really like, my baby just had a baby. Like, it's this really sweet, tender moment. Just, yeah. And then when she comes out of the room, and as how she goes straight to Robert, and they kiss. But I love it how it feels like she aimed to kiss his cheek, but he wanted to kiss her lips. And so they kind of kiss in the corner of the lips, like, you know what I mean? But then they can't stop, like, holding hands. Like, it's really sweet, you know, when she apologizes to Tapsol, saying, you know, they doubted. But the way she looks at Robert with so much love in her eyes, like, it's really sweet. But you see Clarkson in the background. He looks upset. But, you know, like, they're happy and crying. Robert, how they look at each other, like, oh, my God, we're grandparents. Like, this is so sweet. Oh, my God, this is absolutely awful because this scene is absolutely just so nice and sweet and pure and... And then the servants, they are all waiting for the news. And Carson comes to tell them that the baby is born, that it's a girl. And so they can all, you know, go to bed. It look also pleased and happy. Like, it's so sweet. Like, really, it's, it's so sweet. And so I thought that now was time for my French word of the day. I hesitate really about which word I was going to give you. But I didn't want you to be too cruel now. So I thought that I would give you to give birth, like the verb to give birth. And in French, it's accoucher. And it's written A-C-C-O-U-C-H-E-R. And when you say, you know, the, the act of giving birth, it's an accouchement. So yeah, I thought, because, you know, it's my title, Sybil gives birth. So in French, the verb to give birth, it's accoucher. Now, 
like I said, this is the moment that is going to hurt. So if some of you just want to stop there, you can. To be honest, I feel like I want to stop too, but I'm going to go right through it. Because it's night and we see a shadow running in the gallery. And it's Mary. She comes in Cora's room and she's waking her up. And she says, Mama, wake up. It's Sybil. And just what I love in this is that it's Cora's room. So obviously she is coming for a mother, but they all know that Robert is sleeping here. And actually the closest to her at that moment is Robert. But no, she has to wake her mother. Like she is looking for her mother. She doesn't even say, Mama, Papa, wake up. She says, Mama, wake up. So you understand something is wrong with Sybil. And then they're all in Sybil's room. And it's just Sybil, she's in distress. And I think the, the moment she realizes it's really, really bad is when you see Tapsel's face. He looks shocked. And you see Edith in the background, like following him with her eyes, like what is happening? Because if the doctor, the expert, the guy who says he's the expert is shocked, this is not good. Robert and Korak come in and Mary, she's panicking, she doesn't know what to do. And Tom, poor him, he's panicking too. And Robert and Korak are thinking, what is happening? And just at that moment, you have Tapsol saying, it looks as if, and Cora saying, it looks as if what? But we have never, ever heard that tone from her. Like, it's really anger and panic at the same time because she's not shouting because she never really shouts. But I don't know if you really paid attention, but how she said it, it doesn't even feel like it's her who's saying it. Like, it's really a crisis moment. And then Clarkson saying, it's eclampsia. There's nothing we can do. When the seizures have started, there's nothing we can do. And obviously everybody's in distress. Matthew's like, well, it's not possible, not these days. We can do something. Mary and Tom and Cora, they are just next to Sybil. They try to ask her to wake her. I don't know why, like really are panicking. Matthew, he's a bit stunned and Robert, he's stunned. Like Robert, he almost has the same reaction that when Cora was almost dying from the Spanish flu, like he just, he can't move. He doesn't know what to do. It's almost like just at that moment, just his brain just said error. Like his brain just stopped working properly, saying to him, no, you do not understand what's happening because it's too much for you. And Edith in the background, she tries to say something, but also she can't, like she just sees it and she realizes she is powerless. And at the moment she see Mary, like her face shocked and she just stopped. You know, she was shaking Sybil, but she just stopped because she just realized that it's the end. And then Clarkson, he comes to check if she is dead. And yes, she is. That moment, like that scene, you still have Cora and Tom at Sybil's side crying and praying and asking her to not die, like begging her to not die. And you have Robert trying to understand what is happening, saying that this cannot be because she's 24 years old. And when he comes closer to Sybil, he puts his hand on Cora's shoulder and like this, this can't be right. You see Edith, she has tears in her eyes and then you hear the cry of a baby and everybody just started at that like oh my god yes she just had a baby and she just died and this scene um it's so distressing because i said it a lot that downton the cast is just on point every time but this scene was perfectly made like i don't know what you think but they all did so well and julian actually said that for him it's one of their best episodes ever and really, this I'm still shocked. Like this, it's just, yeah, it's perfect, but perfectly sad and awful in all you want. But I am with them at that moment. I am with them. I want to shake Sybil and say, please don't die. And then we're in a servant's hall when a couple of minutes ago, they were happy because the baby was born, it was a girl. And now you see 
they're all sad, but like every one of them. Anna, she is holding back her tears. And Daisy's like, what are we supposed to do? And Mrs. Hughes, she takes Daisy in her arms and Daisy starts crying. And then you can remember that, yes, because Daisy, she spent time with her in the kitchen. When with Mrs. Palmore, they taught her how to cook. Then Thomas, he leaves the servants' hall because you see he was really affected. And what I love is that Anna, she sees that and she comes to him. And I love it because you see how Anna, she is a really sweet person because Thomas, he was not nice to Bates. But at that moment, she realized that he was not feeling well, so she comes to him. And I said, well, I don't know why I'm crying because she wouldn't even realize if I was dead. And I says, well, you don't mean that. I said, no. He says, in my life, I can tell you not many have been kind to me. She was one of the few. And I just love this scene, you know, when they're together and she is comforting him. And when Mrs. Hughes just comes next to them, Anna, she had her, her head on his back, like really, and at the moment she just straightened up. When Mrs. Hughes her, she just says, don't mind me. Sweetest spirit under this roof is gone. And I'm weeping myself. And then she comes to see Mr. Carson, and Carson is not well at all. And he says to her, I've known her all her life. No, I, I was there when she was born. And like, you never would have believed that he would be here when she would die, because that's not what's supposed to happen. She was 24 years old. She's not supposed to be the first one to go. He takes her hand like, it's awful because all these moments are really sweet, but absolutely heartbreaking. And I'm sorry if my voice is a bit shaken, but just talking about it, just talking about it, it makes me want to cry. I am actually crying right now. I'm sorry. And Cora, she's alone with Sybil. She talks to her and she said that they will look after them, after them both. So them being her daughter and Tom. And then Mary, she comes in and she says that, you know, you need to go to bed. She doesn't want to. She says that I want to say goodbye to my baby. And I just find it really sweet when Mary asks her if she wants her to stay or if she wants her to be alone. But Cora, she prefers to be alone. And she asks Mary to tell Robert to sleep in his dressing room. You see Mary, even if she's on the, in the background, you see her reaction like she's a bit surprised by that. Because I think a part of her thinks this is the moment you try to die so you want to be with your husband. And this scene absolutely breaks my heart. Cora saying goodbye to her baby when a couple of minutes ago she was so happy and gone. I'm, I'm like Mrs. Hughes. I'm weeping myself, really. And then the next day, Tom and Mary and Edith, they're with Sybil to say goodbye to her. And I really love this scene between Mary and Edith uh, when Mary says you know, that Sybil was the only one who thought that they were both really nice people. And Edith asks her if she thinks that they can get along better in the future. And Mary says, well, I don't think so. But now, you know, since it's be, it would be the last time that we are all three together, let's just love each other as sisters should. And they hug, which never, ever happened. And I just love how both of them they're looking at Tom like they lost a sister, but like he lost his wife. And it's not just his wife, like he lost his connection to the family because his daughter will always be part of this family because she's the daughter of Sybil, but he just lost his connection to the family. He lost his wife, he's lost his love, like he's miserable. And then you have a scene where Tom is alone with Sybil and like I said, you see that he's miserable. And now it's time for my music of the day. And to be honest, I, I really chose the music from one of the saddest music I have on my library, really. I thought about another music, but I thought it would be a bit better for next episode. This one really, I was inspired by the scene where Cora says goodbye to her baby, because it's a song of a goodbye, you know, saying goodbye to someone who died, someone who died young. 
It's a song by Celine Dion. She has two versions of this song, one in French, one in English. I have chosen the French version because well, it's the original one and it's the one that really moved me the most. It's called Vol and the English version is Fly. It's really heartbreaking and it's really about someone saying goodbye to a young woman that just died. Then there was a scene that I thought was really sweet, but it was cut. It's between Mrs. Hughes' cast and Mrs. Patmore. And they talk about a young woman that, from the village that just had a baby and who volunteered to nurse the child. And they say that the doctor uh, has sent up a pamphlet on feeding babies, how you could do that. And Mrs. Patmore, she said that she would take care of it. Carson, he tells her, well, we don't want to add to your work. And Miss Patmore says, I don't mind. I'm glad to do it. She wasn't much more than a baby herself, poor love. When I think how I told her to cook, she couldn't boil an egg when she came downstairs, but yet she was so eager. Mrs. Hughes tell her what well, I'm sure she was very grateful. And Carson says, I go up and tell them the child will be taken care of. I wonder how her ladyship's coping. And of course, there's Branson. What will we do about him now? And Mrs. Hughes tells him, we will show him that we are kind people, Mr. Carson. That's what. I found it really sweet because obviously Mrs. Patmore, like I said, for Daisy, she would be affected by Sybil's death. First, because everybody loved Sybil. Because Sybil was, like Mrs. Hughes said, was the sweetest spirit in this house. And no one disliked her. Even the audience. We all liked Sybil or no one disliked her. So her death. It is traumatic. It is heartbreaking. But Mrs. Papmore, who had told her how to cook and how she was proud when she made her cake for her mother like this, obviously. And again, they're all older. They're like, how is it possible? Like, it's not how it should be. And then Violet arrives. And before talking about the last scenes, I'm just going to say that I already said it, but the thing that really irritated me the most is that Robert, I'm not angry at him for wanting the best for his daughter, but I'm angry that he didn't listen to his wife, that he didn't listen to the one person that he knows except his mother that has given birth. The fact that his wife was worried and thought maybe something was wrong, I'm angry that he didn't listen to her. But I am not blaming Robert. I'm going to talk about him more in the next episode, but I just want to make things clear right away. Because then Violet arrives. And you see for her, this is the worst thing ever. I mean, she is a grandmother that she just become a great grandmother. Never she would have thought that she would bury her granddaughter. 
when she arrives. I just love this moment with Carson because she, she touches his hand. You know, they never had physical contact. We're not like that. And she says, We've seen some troubles, you and I. Nothing worse than this. Nothing could be worse than this, my lady. Then you have this scene when she's walking towards the drawing room and you can see that she's about to break down and she just stops at a wall and then she just she just gets straight up again like she just gets her posture right again like she just took a moment to take a deep breath because when she goes there she has to be strong because she has lost a granddaughter yes but in this room in the drawing room she will face parents that just have lost their child and this and literally nothing is said but it's just Maggie Smith did it so brilliantly that you feel what she's feeling at that moment. I remember when I listened to Downton Abbey, the official podcast, the first episode with Julian Fellows, they started talking about this scene and he started crying. And I'm crying right now. <laughs> you know, like, at that moment, you think you have cried enough. But at that moment, it's like, oh no, this scene just crushes me even more. And she goes into the drawing room and you see Cora, she doesn't even look at her. Like, it's almost like she died when Sybil died too. And then so Robert, he says to Violet that they found a nurse for the child. And then Violet, she asks where Tom is. And Edith says that he's upstairs and she asked if he wanted anything, but he said that he doesn't want anything. And then we have a scene that is heartbreaking. After what Edith says, you know, that Tom says that he doesn't want anything. Courage says, He wants his wife back, but that's what he can't have. I must write to Dr. Clarkson and have it sent down before dinner. Darling, there's no need for that. I should. I want to. I have to apologize for our behavior. What? Why? Because if we'd listened to him, Sybil might still be alive. But Sir Philip and your father knew better, and now she's dead. Why? Why, why did you say that? Because there is some truth in it. My dear, when tragedies strike, we try to find someone to blame. And in the absence of a suitable candidate, we usually blame ourselves. You are not to blame. No one is to blame. Our darling Sybil has died during childbirth, like too many women before her. And all we can do now is cherish her memory and her child. Nevertheless, there is truth in it. Cora, it looks as if she is, I'm just going to, it looks as if she's a living corpse. And when, you know, she says that Sir Philip and your father knew better and now she's dead. Robert, he wants to go to her, but Violet, she stops him. And when he says, you know, there is some truth in it, you see the tears in his eyes. And when Violet says to him that he's not to blame, you see that he's fighting to hold back his tears. And he says, nevertheless, there is truth in it. And this breaks my heart. This is the beginning of the heartbreak. It was already heartbreak that Sybil died, but having Cora being angry at Robert is like the continuation of the heartbreak. Like it's even more heartbreaking. Like I don't even know, I don't even know what to say. And the episode ends on a shot of Tom at the window with his baby. His baby does not have a mother anymore. And um, yeah, that's the end of the episode. I was in flood of tears the first time I saw it. I'm in flood of tears. I don't know how many times I've seen it now. I am in tears right now talking about it, trying not to cry too much because, well, you're supposed to listen to that. So, you know, but yeah, this is the end of the episode. I can't end it on a happy note. I can't. I hope you enjoyed it or 
I hope that you I don't know, enjoyed crying with me. I don't know. But, you know, nevertheless, I hope that you liked it. I'm really sorry if at some moments my voice just left and I I had to stop a couple of times because I was literally crying and I couldn't speak while crying. So I hope it was okay. And if you cried, I'm sorry I made you cry. I will see you next Sunday to talk about episode 6 of season 3 of Downton Abbey. I cannot promise you that we not cry. And I can already tell you that the order of the storyline will be the same because it's the same story that we follow. So talking about Sybil and them mourning Sybil would be at the end. So again, if you just want to listen to the beginning, you can. We totally understand. Um, yeah. So like I said, I will see you next Sunday to talk about that episode. And until then, stay safe, take care of yourself, stay hydrated, and don't forget. Vive la différence! Okay.